He looked back at me just as plain as day, and he said, I'm a member of the Ku Klux Klan. It would be my privilege to defend the Nazi. It would be my privilege to defend Charles Manson. People are interested in crime. There's no getting around it, and Americans love violence. Coming to a brothel, you're having the full fantasy experience with somebody who knows, let's say, that there's five different ways to give a handjob plus. You know, talk to me about morality, shut up. I tell you where you can stick your morality, man. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Unfiltered, the podcast. My name is Brian Prouskany. I'm the producer-director of the series. With me, as always... Joy Zell, co-producer... Unfiltered, the podcast uh, works as a companion series along with our video series, which you can find on Yahoo News, also titled Unfiltered. Here you'll hear more with bonus footage and behind the scenes content that we didn't include in our episode online. Exactly. So today we actually have a very serious episode. Uh, Today we're going to be hearing from Dr. Lillian Liao, uh, who is a trauma surgeon over at the University Hospital in San Antonio, Texas. And this uh, hospital in particular played an important role in one of our recent mass shootings. Dr. Liao works as the Pediatric Trauma Medical Director at University Hospital. And it's a level one trauma center, which means that, you know, they take care of the, you know, more seriously wounded. Um, And what's interesting is that they also cater to children and adults because usually trauma centers either cater to one or the other. Yes. So this particular hospital was instrumental uh, back in November of last year when the horrific First Baptist Church shooting happened in Sutherland Springs. San Antonio is only about a half hour outside of Sutherland Springs. So many of the victims uh, from that mass shooting uh, were sent to the university hospital. And for those um, who may not know what the Sutherland Springs shooting is, Uh, On November 5th of 2017, so last year, uh, 26-year-old gunman Devin Patrick Kelly opened fire uh, on a Sunday church service uh, using a semi-automatic rifle, and 26 people were killed, uh, 20 others were injured. November 5th, it was around noontime when all of our pages went off and uh, we were notified that a mass shooting had occurred in Sutherland Springs, Texas. When you get a page like that, the notification only says a shooting has occurred at a church. More to follow. That means that first responders, the police, hasn't even gotten to clear the scene to bring patients to us. So they have no idea how many patients are going to come. Usually in this type of situations, most people don't survive the shooting. dead on scene. We had no idea how many victims would come through. So there we just heard from Dr. Lillian Liao, um, who helps run a massive staff of people, uh, along with um, Dr. Ronald M. Stewart, and he's the chair of the Department of Surgery um, at UT Health in San Antonio. So in total, there were nine uh, victims from the church shooting uh, that were rushed through the doors of University Hospital. Um, they all, it was my understanding that, you know, they didn't show up at the same time. It was sort of piecemeal as they were brought in through those doors. Right. And because um, Dr. Lillian Liao and her team can treat uh, children as well, four of them were kids. That's right. Yeah. 
And, uh, and it was crazy. I mean, one thing that was pointed out to me as well is that they had lots of volunteers um, uh, or lots of other employees, rather, uh, that, you know, had the day off but heard about the tragedy and still came in to support the rest of the staff. Um, I guess it was one of those things that were, it was just such a tragic event that everybody kind of put their lives on pause to hold this. Because um, what's also ironic is when you work in an emergency room, when something like this happens, the world doesn't go on pause either. So you still have to do the day-to-day -day emergencies you would normally do. There were still car accidents that day. There were still people that fell off of ladders. Uh, all those things still obviously continue to happen on top of something horrific like a mass shooting. Right, and Dr. Liao didn't know what to expect. Because it was a church and the shooting occurred when most of these people were sitting down, a lot of the injuries came across the pelvis. People who actually were hit any higher up were the ones that didn't survive because the potential for hitting organs that bled more quickly. I have never seen that many um, injured patients by high-velocity weapons all at once. Different firearms cause different types of injury when they hit the body. What we see here in this country um, are really wounds from a handgun. Um, and those create a small hole. An assault rifle type um, injury, the speed of the bullet creates the ability to penetrate the body and destroy tissue in a way that a handgun cannot. If it hits a person in their abdomen, it could take out all of their intestine, the blood vessels, your kidney, um, and bones. And those people who survive these type of injuries have areas of tissue missing that we can't replace. What you see in video games or television shows don't really give you the sense of magnitude of tissue destruction. Things are so broken that you don't recognize the body parts that they're supposed to look like. This is when putting Humpty Dumpty back together becomes really challenging. The injuries that the patient sustained were so severe that I never thought about my own emotions. My thoughts were planning out the next day, the surgeries that needed to happen the next day. Those patients have to go home. They have to go home because their family needs them to go home and their community needs them to go home. So you hear, you know, obviously the drama in Dr. Liao's voice of, um, you know, dealing with something as horrific as the situation. So the shooter, Devin Patrick Kelly, um, had a lot of issues going on prior to this uh, incident. And unfortunately, it seems like another one of these scenarios where there was a lot of red flags going on that people didn't pick up on, unfortunately. Uh, this guy was definitely not in the best of mental health. He was previously a member of the U.S. Air Force uh, he served in the Logistics Readiness Division at the Holloman Air Force Base in New Mexico. Uh, but he was actually charged in military court in about 2012 for assaulting his wife at the time uh, and a small child that belonged to the wife from a previous marriage. Uh, and I believe he even fractured the infant's skull, uh, which is a pretty horrific thing. 
Um, this guy had all sorts of issues. He was having relationship drama with uh, another woman um, after he had separated with that spouse from 2012. And apparently that woman actually attended the would go to the First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs. She was away that weekend when the shooting happened, uh, but one of the victims was actually her grandmother. Wow. Not a great guy, but when he showed up, he was wearing uh, tactical gear. He had some kind of, you know, basically he was wearing uh, some type of body armor, and the weapon in question was uh, a Ruger AR-556 rifle, uh, which is, uh, as Dr. Liao explains, is one of these rifles that shoots uh, high-velocity ammunition. Right, and a bullet from one of these rifles, um, what makes it so much more uh, deadly than a bullet from a handgun or pistol is that it has a lot of energy because of its high speed, um, and it turns on impact. Uh, so it doesn't follow a clean, straight line. And a lot of you know surgeons that have treated um, bullet wounds from high-powered, uh, high-velocity firearms have said that you know it looks like you know it looks like a regular you know hole in the body. Um, in the front where it first enters, but, you know, all of a sudden you turn the patient around and there's just a huge gaping, gaping hole right in the back as if, you know, like a almost like a, you know, small bomb went off or something. So it's really horrific what these things can do. D- Dr. Liao and many of the people that worked within that emergency room were no strangers to, um, you know, uh, firearm injuries. Because University Hospital, you know, is in San Antonio, which has a fairly big urban area, um, most of the victims that would go into that emergency room for uh, firearm injuries were one or two things. They were either uh, it was some type of criminal activity where someone was shot or it was the accidental discharge of a weapon. Uh, So generally what this meant was that they were only dealing with handguns, you know, the occasional shotgun or rifles, you know, used in hunting. and, you know, as we just heard, there is a big difference between uh, firearm injuries with that type of bullet that doesn't have the same velocity as did uh, the weapon that was used in this incident. Generally, when you're trying to operate on someone that's been shot by a handgun, you know, Dr. Liao explained to me even the typical practice was that, you know, you look for a small hole, uh, you're able to kind of follow that tiny path to either where the bullet exited or where the bullet still is. And like I said, you know, if it is, if it did hit a major artery, they know what artery to repair. Uh, If it didn't, they were able to kind of, you know, tighten up that space and potentially patch up that person rather quickly. With the velocity of these bullets, when they enter the body, it actually just creates almost like a mini explosion inside. The bullet will actually liquefy, you know, some of the surrounding tissue and bones and organs. I spoke with another trauma surgeon who had worked at a recent mass shooting, and she had kind of explained to me that when they got to victims at the scene, uh, they were, you know, trying to cut open the people's bodies to save the organs that were inside. But when they cut open the bodies, it was revealed that the organs weren't even there. There was nothing, there was nothing to save. Uh, that's basically to Dr. Liao's point is that many times if you get hit with these things, you don't even make it through the hospital doors. Right. It's it's very, you know, hard to survive that something that shreds has the capacity to shred your organs in such a way. And, and, you know, I I think I want to make it pretty clear with this piece, too. I mean, we've we've already had the video up and we've received a boatload of 
polarizing comments, and obviously we're going to get that with this type of story. Yeah, this is expected. But we're really not trying to politicize anything here. Uh, not once are you going to hear us say or hear anyone in the videos say that there should be a ban on anything. Uh, basically, what we're trying to do is just kind of educate people about the scenarios. Right. Uh, and this pers- and this perspective is from a trauma surgeon. So it's, you know, and these injuries are very devastating. So what she has to say is clearly, you know, it's not nothing, you know, very much on one side of the political aisle versus the other. But it's very much just the the horrific injuries that she's seen. I think it's important. I think it's important to hear from every aspect of people in these types of situations. And uh, sometimes we forget some of the warriors that fight through this. And Dr. Lillian Liao is absolutely one of those people. Right. They're on the front, you know, they're on the front lines treating this. Absolutely. So out of the nine patients that were brought um, to the trauma center to Dr. Liao's team, uh, eight were successfully stabilized. Which is a which is amazing. Right. Which is I mean, hearing how scary these injuries are, I'm surprised. I didn't expect like eight. Every even. and yeah, every single one of them, you know, has since left the hospital. Um, so you know, it was it was pretty miraculous what they were able to do with the majority of people that were brought to them. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, one uh, patient, a seven-year-old girl, uh, couldn't be saved despite multiple attempts. You have one goal. Your goal is to save that life. Because if you can't, then you have to have that horrible conversation with the family. And it's a conversation that, while we have too often as trauma surgeons, you never want to have another one. While it is horribly tragic that we lost a patient, the other side of it was that every few weeks we were able to send another patient home. Their lives will never be normal. They're going home, but they're going home completely different than the day they walked into church. No amount of specialty training in surgery or medicine can fix that. When Parkland happened, we all thought, gosh, it hasn't even been six months. I think it's important for all of us on both sides of the bridge to understand and be educated on it. It is important for everyone to see how high-velocity firearms can injure a person unnecessarily. I do think that if we can come to common ground, that we could get further um, together as a community. Everyone believes that we should not have another mass shooting um, and that this particular epidemic has to stop. And how to stop that is the challenge. I know that there are things I can do to build resilience um, within our community to save lives. The Stop the Bleed initiative was developed in order to build resilience of bystanders because bystanders are always first on scene. So it is important to develop a national trauma system 
where every region of the country could potentially be prepared for a devastating event such as Sandy Hook, Sutherland Springs, Las Vegas, because it will happen. Um, it's just a matter of when. And unfortunately, it has happened uh, even just recently. As uh, while we were editing this piece, uh, someone opened fire in the YouTube offices. The fact is, is that you know we've Parkland has happened since, and actually, um, you yeah. know, there have been several smaller shootings where the victims are, you know, maybe like three or four people. And it's kind of sad now where you know we get to a point where we prioritize. Um, where basically, I feel like obviously the higher the body count, uh, the, the bigger the headline. Uh, but this has been, you know, a part of American life that we live with today now. Right. Well, the FBI um, defines mass shooting as an incident involving, quote, four or more people four shot at once. Yeah. Right. You know, so one of the one of the more interesting things I think Dr. Liao says there, too, is, you know, how do we how do we look at this epidemic, uh, you know, and how to how do we. How do we make any change with it since everyone gets so angry about it every time it's mentioned, every time anything about guns, both on the left and the right, we, we just uh, completely erupt in polar opposites. And I like what she said, you know, about mending the bridge on both sides on how you have to look at yourself and you have to look at what you can do. And she, uh, you know, through her extensive knowledge of being a trauma surgeon, thought, you know, one thing that I can do is help with this initiative, which is called Stop the Bleed. And as we heard, you know, Stop the Bleed is a program where civilians can learn uh, how to stop massive bleeding when they're the people at the scene waiting for the first responders. She had mentioned that a lot of the people that they were able to save at University Hospital was due to the simple fact that uh, they had they were wearing tourniquets and then that some of the bleeding was already controlled before they came in through those hospital doors. Um, so really, because of the state of the world that we're living in right now, and these mass shootings are happening so frequently, uh, Stop the Bleed is you know, kind of having a push so that people see instructions on how to do these things as readily available as one would see a Heimlich Maneuver poster hanging up in their office. Right. And one of their posters has um, there are three steps uh, with photos. And step one is to apply pressure with hands. Um, to wherever the bleeding is originating from. And step two is to apply dressing and press. Uh, and step three is to apply the tourniquet, um, which, as she mentioned before, that's what saved probably, you know, that, that was a key thing in saving a lot of people's lives, uh, a lot of the victims' lives from the Sutherland Springs shooting was that when they came in, um, they had that already. So it's interesting about Stop the Bleed, how the conversation has kind of shifted it. Uh, you know, obviously people have had massive bleeding prior to mass shootings. But I think back then the preparation was more in terms of uh, natural disasters, things like earthquakes, tornadoes or hurricanes, you know, plane crashes, car crashes. Right. Doesn't necessarily fit into the wheelhouse of the mass shooting world. What's interesting about the conversation changing dependent on what type of present day situations we're facing uh, also affects what we're going to hear Dr. Lillian Liao talk about in our bonus clip, which uh, didn't make it to the actual video. But what was interesting was that we had talked about six months prior to the shooting at the First Baptist Church, uh, Dr. Lillian Liao and her staff at the University Hospital went through what is basically a mass shooting drill. 
So the mass casualty drill is actually part of the trauma system and all the trauma centers, whether it's a level one trauma center or a level three or level four trauma center in the region participates. What will happen is there is a mock scenario, so a pretend scenario. Um, it could be that a um, plane has crashed or um, there has been a mass shooting in a club downtown. Uh, something, an event has happened where a lot of people are injured. Then that command center will then distribute the patients to various area hospitals because you don't want to take all the patients to one hospital even if that hospital has the most resources because you need to save those resources for the people who are seriously injured as opposed to what is called the walking wounded. Treating mass casualty patients and doing drills are important and they've been important probably with a focus more so since 9-11. Um, and in recent years, because of the increased number of mass shootings in and around the country, um, we have shifted the focus. Um, but we prepare for any disaster, and mass shooting would be termed a disaster, just like if it was a natural disaster. So I didn't even know that they did that. That sounds like pretty intense training. Um, and it's interesting to see how it's, she said it's, it started with 9-11. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, 9-11 actually, you know, obviously was a big, it, it changed the conversation throughout the country, obviously. Yeah. And so, you know, but it's, it's kind of funny how it seems like for a while we were trying to figure out how to protect ourselves from foreign threats. And now all of a sudden we're trying to protect ourselves from domestic threats. Kind of, it's scary. It makes me think like, what's going to be next? What's going to like shift the conversation from, you know, natural disasters, 9-11, then mass shootings, and what's going to be the next kind of drill that they, they're going to have to prepare for. It's kind of sad that Dr. Liao and her team and other, you know, medical teams across the country now have to just prepare for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's become a sad inevitability of what we're dealing with today. And like I mentioned before, you know, the main purpose of hearing from Dr. Liao is just to see what it's like on the other side when these things happen. I mean, you know, these are the people that are saving us when these gun problems go south. Um, we're trying, we're not trying to politicize this at all. We're not trying to say we want to no, ban things no. or anything like that. Um, you know, that's a discussion for people to have, but I think what's really important is that we need to find the middle ground, whether we belong to the NRA or whether we want to ban assault rifles. We need to have intelligent conversations with each other and we have to figure out why does this keep happening and what we can do about it without getting angry at each other. So uh, that was Dr. Lillian Liao on today's podcast episode of Unfiltered. Yeah, join us next week where we'll have a much more lighthearted episode. Uh, we're going to be hearing from Howard Greenberg, who is one of New York City's craziest defense attorneys, uh, recently labeled by members of the media as the real-life Better Call Saul. So this guy is great. He's awesome. He's funny. He's wacky. He defends the worst of the worst. But yep. it's very interesting to hear why he does what he does. So thanks for listening, and check out the video of Dr. Lillian Liao, if you haven't already, on news.yahoo.com. And also tune in uh, next Wednesday for another video, uh, as Brian just said, of Howard Greenberg. You can listen to the podcast every Friday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.